on this episode of Why Watch That. Killian Murphy, let me tell you something about him. Just hire him. <laughs> yeah, you don't even need to give him a line. <laughs> and it's clear. Let me tell you something. Joshi isn't uh, quite the movie that you would take your little brother to see, maybe? <laughs> it certainly isn't. And a kid shows up and what that kid experiences, <laughs> they will have to put him through therapy. Mel Gibson plays an ex-con on parole. And he is an alcoholic. You know, he has drug addiction problems. Whoa, whoa. Are you sure this is a movie? We'll come back to that. (laughs) Why Watch That as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome to Why Watch That. Presented by Dynamic Network. A Why Watch That sneak peek. We have a special sneak peek for you listeners. A sneak Uh, peek. The uh, critic and I got to see uh, the new movie that's coming out called Anthropoid. <laughs> <laughs> Anthropoid. He makes me give that D a nice ring. <laughs> um, it is written by Sean Ellis, also directed by Sean Ellis. It's also written by Anthony Fruin. That's how we're going to say it. Yeah. Um, and it's the cast. Our people you know, it is a star-studded cast. Jamie Dornan from... Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey or The Fall. Pick your one. Let's pick uh, The Fall. <laughs> Believe uh, it. Killing Murphy from every single uh, Chris Nolan film. <laughs> <laughs> he was with Red Eye. Remember that with um, my girl. No, Red Eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Check out Red Eye. It's fun. Um, and then also some people you may or may not know, but Toby Jones is also in it. Uh, just on and on. We'll talk about these people. It is a movie that is worth talking about. So let's dive into the plot. Oh my goodness. It starts off. So this is a World War II film, everyone. Okay, so you know where you are. It's end of the 30s, early 40s. Uh, But this time, it's set in Czechoslovakia. Yes. It starts giving us the background. Um, Germany takes over Czechoslovakia. There's a Czechoslovakian resistance. Also, from London, they send in parachutists. So they're parachutists that come in. They want to kill the number three guy. Of the Nazi party. There you go. Now, while they're coming from London, they are from that area. They are from Eastern Europe. All of these uh, seven guys who do this. Now, two of them are played by Killian Murphy and Jamie Dornan. They are the leads. We see them drop in <laughs> to Czechoslovakia and go from there. And we it's see- not a graceful drop in for both it of them. It is not. <laughs> And throughout, the question is, can they trust the people that they are encountering? Because along the way, they meet someone who seems like he's going to help. Then they go and find some other people who are part of the resistance. Are they trustworthy? Are there any moles? Uh, they meet a couple of ladies Uh-oh. and a, an older woman who helps them out and so on and so forth. So just to make it quick, it ends up with them again trying to kill the number three guy of the Nazis, General Reinhard Heydrich. Heydrich is kind of like Hydra. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the question is, do they get him? 
And then what's the repercussions of that? That's right. Uh, so where do you want to now, take it from there? Well, yeah. we, we do need to tell the listeners that this is loosely based on a true story. So this isn't a made-up incident. It is loosely based on the seven. They call them the seven who really started the success of the resistance for the rest of the world when it came to uh, World War II. Yeah. I think we need to dive into, because that's the gist of it, we need to dive into the feel of the movie. Yeah. You're sitting in your seat, cushioning, and before your eyes is a beautiful, beautiful film. Mm. I mean, it almost looks like it wasn't shot digitally. It's a beautiful film. Aesthetically, you can see the hardness of that time of Czechoslovakia, but also its soft tones. Yeah, whatever filter they put on that was great. The sepia tones, they had some blues. It reminded me of this, Ref. It's like if you have, if you still have, picture books. Yeah. (laughs) Photo books, and you flip through. And it's that kind of grainier kind of picture in color. Oh, it was great. And that's the feel you get. Even though you're seeing a lot of action, you're seeing a lot of different plot twists and shifts and tones happening. Throughout the movie, it is absolutely beautiful. The music is spot on. It drives the movie. It also cuts out when it needs to. Yes. Sound effects of all of the shooting and even the walking on the cobble road. I was thinking of that. It's just a beautiful aesthetic experience. But let's get into the actual movie. Here's what I have to say. The actors. Oh, I mean, just wonderful. Killian Murphy, let me tell you something about him. Just hire him. (laughs) Yeah, you don't even need to give him a line. (laughs) And it's clear. He grounded so many of those scenes, ref, appropriately. He was the character to do it. And the one scene I do want to highlight, what happens, everyone, is Killian Murphy, Jamie Dornan, they need a cover. So they meet two ladies out. They go out to a club. And those two ladies are played by Charlotte LeBon and Anna Geislerova, who are great. Yeah. Now, they show up in a way that is not pleasing to Killian Murphy. <laughs> He's like, look. But it's opposite of what you think. It's, exactly. It's, it's yeah. surprising. And it's just so grounded. And it's so important for him to do that because Jamie Dornan is the opposite end of that. He's more optimistic. He's the one who's not as serious. He's the one that's more prone to fall in what we think of as romantic love. All of that stuff. So I think it was a great counterpoint. And the rest of the cast, Toby Jones. Yeah, there was not a false moment as far as the cast. Moving on to the actual directing, the shots and things that were created with it was beautiful. You go from falling among the trees, kind of getting draped by these parachutists, to running around in the cobble streets of Czechoslovakia, to um, meeting in churches and cafes, and then walking on the boardwalk. It's just beautifully shot. Yeah. Now, go ahead, get to... Okay. So this is a movie in three parts. <laughs> Let's say that. Part one, oh, I was so ready to go. First ten minutes is great. Oh, even beyond that, yeah. I would give them the first half hour, I was with them. I was like, y'all got it. It was clicking, the rhythms were right, everything was grounded, it was sparse when it needed to be. Perfect. The end, I'm gonna jump to that. The end is like a whole other movie. I mean explosions and and I have to say this is not for the faint of heart you've got to be ready yeah it's graphic stating yes very graphic great but the middle we're not gonna uh, totally agree but go ahead the middle to me just didn't connect the beginning and end in as credible 
of a way as it could have. Not saying it was bad. I just think it was inconsistent. Uh, while the acting was good, I, I, it, they were losing me every now and then. I think it could have been cleaned up. And then the end, the build up to it would have been clearer and more effective. So overall for me, just before you jump in, I think it's good. Like definitely see it. It's not perfect, but I was okay. I mean, I was okay even at the end forgiving them of that. Well, I'm going to jump in and say that I agree with you in the beginning. Um, I think we do have three different movies. We have an action movie. We have a movie of romance. And then we have an espionage thriller movie. And then I'm going to add a fourth. We have a war movie. Yes. Which is a completely different genre. Those four components didn't, for me, weave in and out as naturally as... I mean, I don't even know how naturally you can do that with four different movies. Tough. Um, at the beginning, we're really focusing on these two parachutists and their little world. And by the end, you're focusing on something completely different. Yeah. And for me, shave off 45 minutes of the film. I'm good. I was good with the middle. I was good with the beginning. I didn't know what the end was because I didn't care enough. Why? Because I didn't get enough information about the other people that you have to, as an audience member, care about in order to sit through 30 minutes of war. I mean, literally, it's an all-out, graphic, gutsy war. Yeah, and that's where in the middle with the romantic parts, some of that could have been taken out to give you exactly what you said, Ref, to give us more of the full seven parachutists instead of two. Or cut out the seven and give me the other. It's either or. For me. <laughs> but here's what we will say. We're not bashing this movie. No. This movie, for me, you don't have to go to the theater to see it. Because for me, it was like a, a good 30 minutes of sitting in my seat, and I'm glad I didn't drink a coffee um, before I went in. But it is a great movie to sit down in your home, stream it with popcorn, great conversation. You're going to want to get on the internet and look up, what the heck, did this really happen? You're going to want to talk about it. It's a great art house movie. It's a good experience. Yeah. And if you don't want anything other than just great acting, it's worth it. So definitely for me, check out Anthropoid, maybe when it's on demand on Amazon, Netflix, whenever it comes out, or if you see it in a small theater, I don't know if you have to pay 15 dollars to see it that would have been a challenge for me yeah i have to say that if you do go into the movies to see it you're gonna walk out with something yeah if you're a fan of of that kind of drama those kind of films you can definitely see it in the theater Uh, otherwise just like the ref said you can wait either way i'm telling you at the end (laughs) you're gonna be in a different place complete silence is what happens. Well, you can check out Anthropoid in a theater near you. We hope that you do. And if you don't, you might be missing out on something. Uh-oh. Did you know? Part one. Critique! Um, he, he's not here right now. Uh, um. I have a did you know? <laughs> for you this week. So, check it out. This actress has only been turned down for four roles, and they are as following. What? Only been turned down for four roles? Michelle Straton in American Gigolo. She didn't get it. (laughs) Patsy Cline in Sweet Dreams. Close, but no go. Miss Keaton in The Remains of the Day. Oh, but fell short. Mm. And Elizabeth I in Elizabeth the Movie. Oh. Uh, What? Yeah. Well, hold. Now that one threw it off. Wait, let me think and we'll see. Think about it. 
This episode of Why Watch That is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, providing digital versions of audiobooks for download to your computer, phone, and MP3 player. Sign up today to try Audible free for 30 days and get a free audiobook of your choice. Visit audibletrial.com forward slash why watch that to get your free audiobook now and to support our show. Did you know? Part two. All right, we are back in action. What is the verdict? I don't know, because it's weird because that last one, Elizabeth. Because that's Kate Blanchett, but then you said American Gigolo remains of the day. I'm I'm really thrown. Yeah, I mean, really. I'm thinking like Kate Winslet or someone like that, but no, it can't be Kate Winslet. That's not right. Okay, any day? I don't know. Meryl Streep! Oh. <laughs> can you believe Meryl Streep's only been turned down for four roles? Yeah, Good I can. Gracious. I can't believe that. She um, wanted it bad, but apparently, she, you know, I mean, she probably was a little too mature for Elizabeth I in the movie right. Elizabeth. Right. But you can see her this week, and if you want to, in Florence Foster Jenkins, which is a movie about the world's worst opera singer. <laughs> it's about an heiress who decides, hey, I'm going to go sing opera, and was selling out everywhere, even though she was terrible. <laughs> it also stars Hugh Grant, along with other familiar faces. So, yeah, yeah. if you want to check out Meryl, do Meryl, but just sounding terribly, then you <laughs> might want to check out the wonderful, maybe, Florence Foster Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, she can't be any worse than uh, Ice J.J. Fish, internet sensation. Check him out if you want some horrible singing. Oh, dear. <laughs> Back to why watch that. Another why watch that sneak peek. Listeners, wow, we have another sneak peek for you. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And it is Joshi, which is a new movie coming out August 12th. In theaters and on demand. Ooh. It's written by Jeff Baina and also directed by Jeff Baina. Yeah. Now, Joshi stars Thomas Middleditch. What a great name, by the way. I love his name. Adam Polly, Alex Ross Perry, and Nick Crawl. Um, let me tell you something. Joshi isn't uh, quite the movie that you would take your little brother to see, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> no, even though it sounds like that, right? <laughs> it does, doesn't it? It's not It's not a kid's movie, is it? <laughs> it certainly isn't. And a kid shows up and, uh, look, what that kid experiences, <laughs> they will have to put him through therapy. So look, this is what happens. In Joshi, Joshi or Josh or Joshua, played by Thomas Middleditch. Great name. Of HBO's Silicon Valley, the lead in that. That's him, everybody. Um, he is engaged. He's going to get married. But his fiance doesn't make it. I won't tell you what happens. She doesn't. Oh, she doesn't get the memo. <laughs> There's something that happens. I'm not going to give it away. Um, but he has this bachelor party planned anyway. Uh, he and his friends decide to go anyway. Uh, in particular, four of them. Mm-hmm. And of course, when they're there, they drink uh, alcohol, they do drugs, they meet girls, all of that. 
And this is in an effort to help him get over this crushing loss. Um, along the way, another one of their friends shows up, and this is what I was talking about, Ref, with his wife and kid. And, <laughs> and there's this big thing. He gets upset. He's like, why are you guys not bringing this up with him? And another of the friends says, look, we want him to do what he needs to do. Because, you know, Joshi is not really present. Um, by the end of the film, the question is this. Is he able to reconcile the past and be able to move forward? Uh, you know, the the parents of his fiance come into play. Do they help or not? And the parents, by the way, <laughs> are played by two wonderful actors uh, that you'll have to watch it to find out who they are. Uh-oh, that will sneak up on you. Yes. So that's really the arc. It's not much to the story beyond that. But this is this is what it's like. It's like if Richard Linklater did uh, like a, a buddy movie uh, <laughs> featuring guys in their late 20s and early 30s. That's oh, what okay. it's like. Yeah, right. that's what it's like stylistically. So you, you go, okay, was this written or is it improv? I'm not quite sure. It has that flow where it's just natural moment to natural moment. Uh, almost uh, sideways in a way. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. But Sideways is just a great film. Like, that's superlative. So, we're not saying that. But, you know, that kind of thing. Um, what I also want to say is it does include drama. So, it's not just a comedy. Oh. Yeah, it, there are some dramatic moments beginning and especially toward the end. And uh, do they do that perfectly? No, but it works. I will say it works. Uh, they pull it off enough. Um, so here's what I'll say overall. All right. But Joshi, if what I said sounds like your kind of style, check it out. If it doesn't sound like your kind of style, uh, I don't know. You would have to determine that on your own. I wouldn't necessarily say that you need to see it. I did like how every now and then they would give us something not comedic. That was great. Yeah. Uh, it was one thing really in the middle of the film where it just had a nice flow to it uh, that I appreciated. And let me end on this. His friends. One friend is the guy, it's the biggest Debbie Downer you could ever have. No, I mean, they had to have the jacuzzi corrected or fixed, I'm sorry, where they were staying because, you know, they, they're staying in the, in the forest and you have mountain and all of that. The guy fixing the jacuzzi you know, this this friend is talking to him, talking about how disgusting it is and how you can't get into it and how all the diseases you get. Uh, they're talking about what can we do next. He says, let's play a board game. <laughs> oh. They actually do play it later on in the movie, though. It's that kind of thing. He meets some girls at a bar and he talks about, you know, it's impossible that humans could have created the pyramids. He's that guy. Okay, all and right. Another guy is married, right? Oh. He's a fool. At the end of the movie, he decides maybe I should take a break from marriage. Okay, that's him. Another guy has some problems. Who knows what? He can't say the right thing, but his heart's in the right place. Another guy is also married. He meets a girl while they're there. Okay, we don't know what happens with him. So this is what you get. You get those distinct personalities drifting off of each other. And the cast, you know, they, they seem like they really enjoy each other's presence. All right. Well, well, that's Joshy. Thanks, Joshy. Well, we'll have to see about that. And now, the pick of the week. Guess what, everybody? The critic is coming at us with a pick of the week. 
And it's a throwback, I hear. And it's also honoring a famous woman and her birthday today, Melanie Griffith. And he actually is going to talk about the wonderful movie throwback Working Girl from 1988. Yeah. Directed by Mike Nichols, um, written by Kevin Wade. And starring Harrison Ford, of course, Melanie Griffith, Sigourney Weaver. Guess who else makes an appearance? Alec Baldwin, Joan Cusack, among others, Nora Dunn. <laughs> Oliver Platt, please give us the <laughs> Whatever happened to Nora Dunn? <laughs> excuse, can you stop hijacking my pick of the week? Anyway, excuse the ref, everyone. <laughs> so look, if you don't know what Working Girl is about, look, it's about a working girl. Test kill. <laughs> Played by birthday girl Melanie Griffith. She is an assistant. She is a secretary, what they would call them back then. At You know, there's a whole discrepancy even in, in the movie about what you call them. So she can't seem to find the right boss. Do you know, Ref, her first boss in the film, or potential boss, is... Do you know who it is? No, I don't know. Spacey. <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible. So, you know, she does this whole thing where she gets upset about actually being passed around almost. No, 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 no. So she is placed finally in one final position because she. this has happened a lot of times by Olympia Dukakis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She places her with... Olympia Dukakis. Love her. She places her with Sigourney Weaver. Because maybe it's a female boss and things will be better. Okay? They seem to be. Because Tess has a lot of her own ideas. This is essentially everybody Wall Street. That's where she is. Uh, So that kind of thing. So she has this idea. She brings it to Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver's like, yeah, come to me. You know, we can be friends, all of that kind of stuff. And I will be your mentor. Even though Sigourney Weaver is a few months younger. Okay? So Sigourney Weaver goes, look, I I went through your idea. I tried to give it, you know, to the right people. But it's a no. But is it? No, it is not. (laughs) Yes. Now, in her real life, she has a boyfriend played by Alec Baldwin. (laughs) And we know what that means. Yes, you do. Yes. And Sigourney Weaver has this uh, boyfriend who we don't see that she thinks is going to propose to her, okay? So she goes away, Sigourney Weaver, to ski, gets injured. And Tess has to pick up the slack, but she decides to try to get her own idea going. She meets Harrison Ford along the way uh, to do that and to have a little bit of romance. And in the end, the question is, does she succeed or is she caught? Aha! Mm. Now... This movie is probably my favorite Mike Nichols film. I know, I know. This is shocking. I, I, I am shocked. Well, I just love watching it. I love the performances. Melanie Griffith was a great cast. She can do vulnerable, but you also kind of believe that she's street smart. She gets it. You believe that she would come up with these ideas. Sigourney Weaver, perfect. We got it. Harrison Ford, perfect. All the rest of them, great cast, great romantic comedy. If you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it in a while, check it out. It is available on Stars right now. Don't hesitate to get some laughs and some fun and a little bit of romance and drama, too. Ooh, Ooh I might have to just go on the Stars right now and check it out. <laughs> Thank you. 
final. Why watch that sneak peek? Guess what? The critic got a sneak peek of a new movie coming out August 12th called Bloodfather. It stars a very familiar actor no. who's back. His name is Bill Gibson. Yep, he is back. Bill Gibson. Mm-hmm, as <laughs> Link. This is directed by Jean-Francois Richet. Is oh, oh, wait a minute. Do you get to do the Spanish, I can do the French. Wait, say it again. <laughs> Peter Craig actually did the novel. He also was a screenwriter, along with Andrea Burloff, who wrote Straight Outta Compton and was nominated for an Oscar for yeah. that. So this is quite the controversial movie. Some of the critics like it, some of them don't, but we're going to get the real deal here on Why Watch That. <laughs> well, before we get to that real deal, here's the story. Mel Gibson plays an ex-con on parole, and he is an alcoholic. You know, he has drug addiction problems. Whoa, whoa. Are you sure this is a movie? Hey, he. you know, he's in a 12-step program. Yeah, I mean, this is what you... We'll hold on that. We'll come back to that. (laughs) That's his character. And he is a tattooist. A tattoo artist? Yes. He lives in a trailer park community uh, where he does his tattoos with William H. Macy. Who's one of his course, Of course. (laughs) And William H. Macy is his sponsor as well. Yes. Okay. I don't know if I'd want William H. Macy to be my sponsor. Well, this isn't shameless William H. Macy. Okay. <laughs> it's the nerdier William H. Macy. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> like glasses, William H. Macy. Like the, like the Lincoln uh, lawyer. Yes. <laughs> that one, okay. <laughs> so that's him. He has a daughter who's been missing for four years. Oh. So since she was 14. We, at the beginning of the movie, see her. And this was the best part. It starts off with her in a store buying bullets and some gum. So okay. this this 18-year-old is buying bullets. Yeah. And gum. And gum. Okay. okay. Yes. So that that's that whole opening. She tries to get the bullets, but then she tries to get something else, and that's when they want to ask her for her identification, not for the bullets. So they uh, do little winks at American society and the, gotcha. the different contradictions that come up. I think that was strong in the movie. So she is with a drug cartel. The leader of this particular segment of the cartel is her boyfriend. How did this start? We don't know. Did he kidnap her? Did she run away on her own? Is she really in love with him or not? Is he in love with her? So there's this whole thing going on. But they want her to come along on one of their jobs. And it doesn't turn out well. She ends up running away. And they end up coming after her. And they want her dead. Okay. Okay. Now, of course, she runs away to her father. Of course she does. And he helps her to stay alive. And that's Bloodfather. That's it. That's as far as I'm going to go. Okay. Now, you started alluding to it earlier. Mel Gibson is winking at his past. Okay. So that was interesting. It's like, wait a minute. Are you playing yourself? Are you trying to redeem yourself in film? That was interesting. And that is about it for me. Okay. Wow. It's that, those, again, nods to what's going on in society every now and then. It does have violence. Like, if you want to see some violence, that was presented well. There was one shot where I even thought of Mad Max Fury Road, which was interesting. I'm going Mel Gibson, Mad Max, you know, his past, all of that. So that is really what's driving it for me, if you want to see it. 
Otherwise, moment to moment, it wasn't working. Uh, sometimes Mel Gibson would yell. There was no build up to it. So I, just as a film put together that way, I thought it wasn't as convincing for me to watch. But it's not that kind of film. It really is trying to be ridiculous. It could have been more ridiculous, in my opinion, if that's what they wanted. So, I mean, if, if you like that kind of B-movie feel and you want to see Mel Gibson in this role where you go, is that really him or not? Okay. Otherwise, do what you will with it. Well, a little trivia for you. Sylvester Stallone was eyeing to direct this movie, so I wonder if it could have been even more ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like, in yeah. a good way. Not yeah. a- no, look, it was ridiculous. It did have its moments that worked. It's just overall, no, no. Okay. Well, listen, August 12th, uh, Bloodfather opens. If you want a taste of Mel Gibson again, uh, he's back, but he's also going to be directing something, so you can maybe watch that instead. <laughs> Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea, and we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.